she's always been the type of person that just says things and she just speaks her mind. I guess that has a little bit to do with not having a formal education. everybody, welcome to episode 37 of The Body Serve. My name's Jonathan. And I'm James. And we're coming to you minutes after the conclusion of the Oscars telecast, which was one of the biggest wastes of time in my life's history. And you didn't even watch it. I know, and I still feel that way. It was so boring. Well, I, I kind of watched it with like a book open... And I was kind of studying and watching at the same time. Well, you all you always refer to it as the gay Super Bowl. Yeah, everybody <laughs> does. And I'm, I mean, I've been for years now really bored by it. Unless there's somebody who I really, really want to win. Like when Jennifer Hudson was nominated for Dreamgirls, mm. I was ready for that broadcast. Yeah, I used to be like more into it when I was younger. Um Probably like when Titanic was up for all those awards is when I first got super into the Oscars. Which is a timely reference, given right. that Leo won Best Actor, right. finally. And I remember I just couldn't believe that he wasn't nominated. And then the show opened with Chris Rock, and I didn't watch the... Like you said, I didn't pay full attention to it. I was in the other room just kind of listening. Mm. You were in the living room watching the whole thing. But I made sure to sit down for that opening because I was really... Uh, looking forward to hearing what he had to say, right? Like when this whole Oscar so white thing happened, you know, people are wondering, should he even still be hosting it? Should he be boycotting it mm. as well? He's like, no, I'm going to host it. So he's like, okay, let me see what he has to say. And I was just really kind of blah about the whole thing. There was nothing overly political or I have seen so many people and media outlets state that, oh my God, Chris Rock said Hollywood is racist. You know, mm. As if, like, he made these great declarations about race in Hollywood. And I was just so just blah about the whole thing. Well, he had a really, really difficult job. Uh, like, probably an impossible job with mm -hmm. this monologue. And, you know, the very first words that came out of his mouth were making fun of the whole situation. right? Uh -huh. And he had a great line about how Hollywood is not like... KKK racist, like a sorority but it's like racist. Sorority racist. Yeah. Like, sorry, Rhonda, we like you, but you're just not a kappa. <laughs> so, like, Hollywood is the nicest racist there are, you know. Yeah, I just wasn't looking for it to be filled with laughs. I was looking for it to be serious and to the point, to the point where he maybe sat down with an academic and figured out how to really speak about these things to make it be poignant. That didn't happen, and also the jokes weren't that funny for me, so it was just kind of mm. flat all around. Well, part of the problem that was out of his control was showing the audience laughing, like howling at some of these jokes. Did you see Sofia Vergara? Like, laughing oh. <laughs> just a little bit too much. I think Dr. Scholes tweeted that on Twitter, and I tweeted that on Twitter. That always sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> but I thought the same thing when it happened. I forget which joke it was. Oh, it was the... Uh, it was a Jada Pinkett Smith joke. And she was just... how It's like she was sitting static. Mm -hmm. And then she just burst into uproarious laughter. I'm like, I know 
that this is all just put on because I remember you on the view with that really bad rape joke. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but the Jada thing was mean spirited. And also, if Jada's not invited to the Oscars, why is Sofia Vergara? You know? Anyway. Uh, yeah. Just like when he makes a joke about lynching, which made me extremely uncomfortable. And then they show like all these white people laughing uproariously in the audience. That's not his fault, but it looks bad. And it's sort of uh, indicative of the the problem, right? <laughs> that this is like an almost entirely white audience. Uh, I mean, Chris Rock isn't always my cup of tea to begin with. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not the best judge here. I'm not the right person mm. to really take that all in, but I didn't enjoy it. Nor did I think it was very good. But the uh, the segments like in between were actually really funny. Some of them were really good. Yeah. Like the black actors in nominated movies. Well, basically in white movies. <laughs> so you have like Leslie Jones uh, sort of standing in for the bear in The Revenant. Oh my God. Like beating the shit out of Leo. That was hilarious. Uh, but overall, it was a pretty like bland show there were there was no a lot of surprises there were also a lot of like black people being shoehorned in there to sort of let the academy make light of their racism you know it was a uh, i can you explain to me what that stacy dash bit was about because i no, don't understand nobody it. can explain it okay like, even the white people in the audience had the good sense to know that something was not right with that, <laughs> you know? Okay, well, first of all, a lot of people don't know who she is. And if they do, they probably don't know the context. There's a very specific period of time that you have to be adolescing <laughs> to yeah, know who Stacey Dash is, right? If you grew up like we did with Clueless, right? it's a very formative film and, you know, you've watched it probably 15 times. You know who Stacey Dash is. And then she progressed to be like, oh, my God, that's that black actress who just never ages. And then, mm -hmm. oh, my God, there's that black actress who's fucking crazy and, and who is like now on Fox News. A right wing darling. Yeah. You know, so see, I thought it was just a joke. Here's Stacey Dash to talk about Black History Month or whatever. Ha ha ha. And then there she is. And I'm how like, how crazy and totally nuts do you have to be as stacy dash to participate <laughs> in that right well i think we know the the answer to that already i don't have any words for it <laughs> you know leo won obviously uh-huh brie larson won which was pretty exciting because we know her from united states of Terra. that was one of her favorite daughter. like that show camp started the same time as nurse jackie and sometime after season four hbo or is it showtime one of the two networks mm. Decided that Jackie should keep going and and Tara got the boot, right? Yeah. And at the time, we felt that that was just a totally wrong decision. Mm. Like, there was so much more to do with, with Tara. And that Jackie was kind of like, eh, kind of overrated, you know? But she was so good on that show. And now, all of a sudden, she's this massive big star because mm. of this breakout film role in Room. Oh, I have to mention that I met... Emma Donahue at a party one time in grad school. I thought you were going to say that I met Brie Larson. <laughs> no. You know who Emma Donahue is, right? She wrote the book. For yeah, Room. and she also wrote the screenplay adapted mm -hmm. from her book. And she was a visiting writer, like a visiting professor at University of Western Ontario when we went there. And I was at a Christmas party at my thesis supervisor's house. And there she was. 
So at the time, she was famous for writing the book, and I think it had won the Man Booker Prize. So she was, you know, she was really well known in Canada in Canada at that time. And she's like walking around this party and people are acting like it's no big deal. And so now here she is. She won an Independent Spirit Award last night. And there she is on the Oscars today. Nominated. That's the most famous. Did you actually meet her? Did you talk I to did. her? I did. Well, just like, hello. That's, so you've met a famous person. Yeah. Oh, Roger Federer was at the Oscars. Did you know that? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, well, oh, no, actually, I met Roger Federer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he looked really dapper. Yeah, he looked very dashing. And I he, mean, no surprises there, though. I, yeah. He took a shot of tequila on the red carpet. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why. But he looked He's like he... He's living his life. He knew what he was doing. Right? You know? I don't see Federer as a type of guy to be just doing shots of tequila. You know, like... Well, he didn't cough or choke or anything. He didn't go to undergrad. He didn't have a four-year, you know, college <laughs> experience. Which, if you have, you've done some tequila. Mm. And probably regretted it. <laughs> yeah. But he... He was game for it. Well, I mean... What he's else been, is he going to do he's right been now? laid up for a while. <laughs> right? The last thing on the Oscars, let's tell the folks who are listening the movies that we enjoyed this year. The ones that we would implore you to go see. Like, we just went to see The Lady in the Van last night. Mm. Which I remember when this movie was coming out and the press was being done initially. Uh, and Maggie Smith was on the Graham Norton show, <laughs> begrudgingly. Right. You know, there was all this talk about Maggie Smith getting a, an Oscar nomination, and then it never happened, and she wasn't nominated for any of the awards along the way, really. And then we watched it, and ugh, as expected, it's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you even said last night, it's such a shame and so sad that Maggie Smith has to die and can't make movies anymore. Right. Why can't she just live forever? I mean, she's in a golden age of her career in her 80s. Yeah. You know? She's coming off of a six-season stint on Downton Abbey where people just love her. She's a cult figure now at like 79, 80. And she's making these movies. She, she had Harry Potter in her older years as mm -hmm. well. She's acquired this celebrity to match her talent <laughs> Yeah. so late in her career. And we only have, like, what, five to ten more years of her? Like, that makes me really sad. Fifteen to twenty, maybe. <laughs> I mean, if Betty White is 94 and still making Super Bowl commercials mm -hmm. and doing the dab better than Vika Azarenko, <laughs> then there's no reason why Maggie Smith can't keep dowagering. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately there's really only one spot for old in best right. actress and charlotte rampling got that i bet they wish they could take that back right after she said that bullshit and you know judy dench <laughs> is pissed as all hell <laughs> judy dench that what she, is she she's being year? shut out now mm. i don't know if she's done anything this year but if like there's only one spot and they're giving to charlotte rampling for old british judies yeah and maggie smith can't get it then what chance does she have i know <laughs> i mean charlotte rampling isn't even a dame you know <laughs> No. And good luck with that now. We loved Spotlight. We loved Brooklyn. We loved Carol. Kate Blanchett in Carol was the most stirring thing I'd seen all year in film. Mm -hmm. I could probably just sit down and watch her facial expressions in GIF form all day long and be <laughs> fulfilled. And I loved Inside Out. I think you thought it was okay. But Inside Out should have been a Best Picture nominee. Yeah. 
and I hate the the kind of ghettoization of the uh, animated feature category. Yeah. One more thing that we're going to talk about as a preamble before we get into the tennis is Fresh Off the Boat. This week they had a tennis episode, and we made a point of watching this episode this week because it was their Michael Chang episode, and Billie Jean King made a cameo. She she was on for a few scenes. Uh, it's a it's a sitcom, a network sitcom depicting a Chinese American family, and of course in the mid nineties where it's set, Michael Chang is a pretty big deal. Right. So I'd wondered this a while back if this is something that they'd touch on, and they did. You want to give a little bit of insight as what the episode was about so one of the little boys discovers he has this aptitude for tennis and you know they apparently belong to the north or orlando uh, country club Uh and yeah so it turns out he has this innate talent for tennis and uh billy jean king decides that she wants to be his coach because she's just there Mm. on the court at this country club you know which i imagine is how florida tennis clubs are you know just legends of the game are just kind of walking around (laughs) like chris ever might be there you know john mcenroe might be watering voluntary somewhere well of course recruiting for his academy that's in bradenton okay Uh, he could be he could be recruiting Mm -hmm. but we see this kid like the setup is that you know they think he's going to be terrible and then he goes and he hits his serve and they're like oh my god like this kid actually has talent right and you should see the form on this kid played by forrest wheeler yeah well it's clearly not a stunt double that's what i was surprised about yeah you know they're actually showing him swing and serve and i'm like wow he's actually really good when i tweeted about it and his twitter account i mean he's only 10 11 years old it's Mm. run by his parents or his handlers they you know interacted with it and said that we're really grateful to usta south california or socal or whatever and you know he this kid has actually put in a lot of work Mm. developing his tennis game what did you think about billy jean her acting chops oh i mean she was okay (laughs) just okay well I mean, that's it's sort of like what I expected. That is her persona, yeah. you know? I, th- I thought she was a little bit better than I, ex- I expected it to be really bad, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, she is a star. Yes. She's tennis's great ambassador, mm-hmm. you know? And you don't see tennis very often in pop culture, so it was kind of exciting to run across this episode. And they were showing these scenes from Michael Chang's matches in 1996, which I definitely watched. Mm. In real time. That was kind of my... I mean, I I was introduced to tennis and fell in love with tennis in 94 for the first time at Wimbledon. I think I've said before in the podcast that the Navratilova-Conchita match in the Wimbledon final was my first ever tennis match I watched. Mm. But 96 was a really big year for me in terms of really becoming immersed in tennis. And Michael Chang, along with Agassi, were probably my two favorite players, male players, to start. And so... Chang beats Agassi in the 96 Australian semifinal, mm-hmm. which they showed on right. the episode. And then Agassi is supposed to win the US Open semifinal against Chang, and Chang wins it fairly easily. Of course, predictably, he goes on to lose to Sampras in the final. Mm. And so as a 12-year-old, I'm just not really knowing what to think. Wait, did you say US Open or Australian Open? They played in both. Oh. And really? Chang won both. Really? Yes. But this was also like Agassi's rebuilding years, wasn't it? No, that was before. I mean, he was number one in 95, and then 96 was kind of like the preamble to the fall. 
Oh, nine to okay. seven was okay. the fall, but you can't really call it a preamble if he's still making semifinals at slams, right? Right, right. He was still highly ranked and expected to win, but there's probably a lot of shit going on behind the scenes. Yeah, crystal meth. Um, allegedly. Uh, no, he confirmed it. <laughs> Fine, I guess I can. And it was like, oh yeah, they covered up my failed doping test. Sorry. No big deal. Sorry about it. No big deal. It's too late. To say sorry. Oh, Lord. <laughs> do you all like that? Do you think we should just do karaoke? I have Justin Bieber stuck in my head 24-7 now. The, the Oscars are going on, and all I could think of was, um, you should go and love yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Serena was on Snapchat. She and her friends are, like, turning up. Because I heard on the radio that, you know, Justin's songs are the biggest songs in the club. We heard that, yes. Yeah, I don't know if that's just, like, West Toronto clubs. I don't know, like, if I were if I were a club-going person now in my 30s, mm. and that came on the radio, I'd think about being ashamed for a little while, but I'd probably get mm. into it. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Yeah. But, like, when I go to a club, I'm really hoping for, like, SWV. How good is your memory now <laughs> when you go to a club? Excuse me? <laughs> I request the most inappropriate songs at clubs. Like I think the last like time downers. We, the last time we went to a club was we accidentally happened upon a restaurant that happened to turn into a club <laughs> on Pride. <laughs> and yeah. they were playing 90s music and Maybe. that's the only reason why we stayed. That's probably why. <laughs> oh, we had a we had a listener who told us that she was listening to our podcast at the gym and then Serena, Robbie and Jill walk in. Oh my god. Walk in yes. and start going on the treadmill in front of her. Like, that is insane. I couldn't believe that. I thought she was, like, pulling her leg for a second. <laughs> like, you're really listening to the podcast while Serena walks in? Like, that is the closest we're ever gonna get. I mean, if I'm on that treadmill, I forget to, forget to keep jogging and fall off and right? die. You know? <laughs> or I'm, like, trying to open the camera app on my phone right? and just... <laughs> Just totally wipe out. At least she would look at you if you right. fell, you know? <laughs> it would be worth the injury just to have her look. She might send somebody to help us. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Serena Serena Williams laughed at me when I fell off my treadmill. It my was life is the highlight of my life. <laughs> <gasps> Moving into the current tennis. We talk about players based on the events that they played. And, well, okay, let's talk about men's tennis. Now let's talk about women's tennis. Uh, but we're trying out something new as far as segments go. This is kind of a, a new segment episode mm -hmm. <laughs> where we, we're going to do two separate segments for players that are playing well and players that are really not up to scratch. And the first one is called Big Ups. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to give big ups to players that have been doing really well. And then we're going to say wheel and come again to players that are not doing so well. And can you just explain what that means for people who may not know? Wheel and come again is a very Jamaican saying. Mm -hmm. And it really means try again. Mm -hmm. Come better next time. What you brought this time just wasn't your best. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, when... And this pains me to say. We're going to start with Rafa when he loses to Cuevas in the Rio semifinal. I'm going to say, Rafa, wheel and come again. Because <laughs> this is a match like many we've seen over the past year that you really shouldn't have lost. Based on who we know you to be and who we know mm -hmm. Cuevas to be. Set aside the fact that he's now a back-to-back -back winner in the ATP Tour. 
But still, this is your preferred surface. It's where, you know, Ralph is supposed to get his mojo back. And it is just really alarming. I'm uninspiring. I'm at the point where I really don't know what to think. Like I've, I I still love Rafa. That will never change. But mm. I've had to make make peace with myself just for my own sanity that we this could be the end for Rafa. Like I've actually gotten to mm. that point where losses don't upset me anymore, and that in itself upsets me. <laughs> well, how could they upset you every time because they happen so often now? You know, but it's, he's, it's he's, still, he's still made, he still made two semifinals back to back. You know, if you look on right. paper, we look like morons thinking that this is like super shocking. No, but it is super shocking. He's not Bernard Tomic. His the expectations are greater. And I realize we're not going to see him win four clay tournaments a year from April to June. It's not going to happen anymore. But we're but, also seeing that people who who's who are beating him are now going on to do big things. Team beat him a few weeks ago in the semifinals mm-hmm. and then went on to win that tournament and then made the semis the following week and then has gone on to win again this week. Right. Cuevas with the same thing last week. You know, beat Rafa and then goes on to win that tournament and then win the tournament again this week. Does that mean, though, that he's actually losing to capable opponents? That's what I'm wondering. (laughs) Like, is he just having such horrible luck that these matches and the losses that he's having, they're not 6-love, 6-1 losses. They're really close matches that could go either way. And he's losing to people who are then catalyzed, it Mm -hmm. seems. Right. I should mention that Cuevas is in the top eight to the race to London. (laughs) As Which is, is crazy. As is Dominic team. And you know who's not? Rafael Nadal. That's true. It is only February. And that's going to happen if you lose first round at the Australian Open. Yeah. So wheel and come again, Rafa. But let's start with big Wheel ups. and come again, improved, better, giving me life again. Please, I beg. I just like, I'm at the point where I just want one more, <laughs> you know, just one more glory moment. <laughs> right. Like, I'd love 10 or 15 more, but just one more glory moment. Whelan come again to Simona Halep. Yeah, who lost to Elena Vesnina, who, you know, as you know, is an excellent doubles player. Mm -hmm. But she is only ranked 118 in singles. She's been, been, what, top 40, probably? Yeah, she's been a decent singles player before. But, uh, you know, she won the first set, Simona, and kind of seemed like it would be a routine win. And then she ended up getting breadsticked in the uh, in the third set in Doha. And she is the 2014 Doha champion. She announced after Australia that she's going to be taking all this time off to have some nose surgery. Right. So w- when is she taking time off? And then apparently the nose surgery wasn't necessary. So she decided to play and get match practice. And then she's losing. So like the nose isn't being fixed. And you're the not tennis really is not being fr- fixed. <laughs> so like it's a loose, loose situation. This is such a mess. I don't know. And I don't know what she needs. You know, if she needs to take a small break, if she needs practice, I have no idea. Match play. She's not really getting much match play. No. And she lost to Ivanovic a couple weeks ago Mm. in her first match. It was the second run of the tournament, but her first match, which is an unfortunate match to draw first up. Right. 
but an informed Simona beats Ivanovich every day of the week, don't you think? Yeah, maybe like seven times out of eight. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not every time. Okay. Anna's a, you know, solid, well, sometimes top 15 She's player. She's capable at times. Mm. But Simona's of a stature now that would, you know, this is just, this is very surprising. It is surprising because she's the defending Indian Wells champion. And there was a time when she was supposed to be kind of the the solid number two. And kind of a, a presumed future major winner. And now I really don't know. Just last year on this podcast, we were talking about her as... I was hoping that she was one of the next big things. Because I do like watching her play. But the jury is out. She's going through a really rough patch. The jury is sequestered and they are, they've just returned a hung jury <laughs> on Simona's career. Um, and Petra Kvitova is another one who would like, who the hell knows what is going on with her? She had mono mid last year after Wimbledon. And no, she had some kind of virus or something. No, she said she had mono. Oh yeah, it was mono, wasn't it? Yeah. And so, like, she's had up and down results, which can't be necessarily attributed to Mono because that's been the nature of her career. Mm. And then again in 2016, it's been all over the place. More like, wheel and come again than big up. <laughs> uh, yeah. She had a bad run in Fed Cup, and she lost to Ostapenko in round three in Doha. But Petra said that that was an encouraging result for her. She beat uh, Strit Stritsova. Uh -huh. Her doubles partner. Who was in the previous week's final, right. finalist. And so she was encouraged by that. And Ostapenko went on to the final and almost mm -hmm. win the final. So, like, it could be worse. This, again, is one of those situations where a high-profile player loses early. But then the person they lose to goes on to have a good tournament. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is kind of the story of tennis in February. You know, we're getting to see a lot of these lower-ranked players shine in all different places around the world i'm i'm enjoying this madness this week we had sloan stevens winning and we had carlos suarez navarro winning yeah okay so sloan was always the bridesmaid for how long right i mean i feel like sloan's been around for so long but she's only 22 when did serena make her <laughs> What year was that? Like 2013? Uh, 2012? I think it was 2013. Don't quote me on that. That's what I think, too. Yeah. But, you know, Sloan had gone titleless for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it sort of belied her ranking because she had been playing well and challenging top players at majors and still hadn't won a title. And for a long time, hadn't even been to a final. And so she won Washington last year, and since then, she's won two more titles. So, like, three titles in less than a year from where she started was... That's pretty good. Yeah. She won Auckland, And as I saw you know. this, this stat on Twitter the other night. The American women who have won multiple titles since 2008, who do you think they are? Um... Like, the most titles oh, for okay. American women since 2008. Well, Serena. Yes. And then I would say Venus. Yes. And, and then. Uh, is exactly. It, is it Sloan? No. Oh, okay. It's Lindsay Davenport. 
Stop. Yes. <laughs> what? It may be 20, 2007. Okay, I do remember after Lindsay had the baby, she came back and she won a few titles yeah. and then decided to retire again. Yeah. So it's, I believe, if I'm remembering right, it's it's Serena, Venus, Lindsay, and then Sloan now with three since okay. 2007 or 2008, which is kind of crazy. You know, I always think that people who are talking about, you know, the plight of U.S. tennis and mm. blah, 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 blah. It's so mundane and trite and blah, blah, blah. But when you put it in that perspective, I mean, it's been damn near a decade. Right. And Sloan's the first person to win three titles <laughs> on the WTA Tour. That's pretty shocking. Mm -hmm. I mean, Annabelle Medina Garrigas has like 10 titles. 10? Okay. Really? No, she has a lot. <laughs> a lot of minor clay titles. I'm not joking. I'm going to look that up in a second. <laughs> Please do. Uh, but Sarah Arani has a bunch of titles. Like, there are a lot of Italian players with multiple titles who are active right now. You know, so they're kind of making the U.S. look bad. So what you're saying is the U.S. has sucked for like a decade. <laughs> I'm saying that Serena and Venus are pulling a lot more than their uh -huh. own weight. So let's give some big ups then. First up, like we just gave a big up to to, um, to Sloan. To Sloan. You know, okay. I have to say, I feel that I'm turning the corner on Sloan. Say what now? Not that I love her, but I do kind of enjoy that she's like so uncool. You know? I think that block, 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 block gif <laughs> was the best thing that happened to her career. <laughs> and she should put that person on her payroll forever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, I know I should be wary because I used to say that I liked that Azarenka was weird mm -hmm. and not cool. Mm -hmm. But I do like that Sloan is like kind of lame, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean that to be mean at all, because I'm not cool either. No. But she's just like, she just talks <laughs> You're like You're just going to gloss over that, <laughs> that I just shaded you? She's just like really excited to win this title, guys. Did you see the gif of her when the sombrero was coming? Uh, no, I did not. She has the trophy, and this woman is bringing the sombrero to crown her head. <laughs> As they do in Acapulco. Right. And she's just like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I guess she, she didn't see. She looks so shocked and not having it. Somebody, you know, tweeted like, that's what happens when you try and touch a black girl's hair. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Venus wore that sombrero many times. Okay. When it was on clay. And also in Acapulco, Dominique team. Who is Ooh. my new boo? Like, I can't, like, even in spite of the voice, I just can't help it. Like, he's... So... What is your problem with the voice? I don't like it. I can't help it. I don't like it. Okay? That's the way it is. Oh, my God. Don't like it. But if you'll recall, a year and a half ago, at the last time the men played in Toronto mm. at the Rogers Cup, because as you likely know, the Rogers Cup happens simultaneously in Toronto and, and Montreal every year. And the men and the women alternate. So one year will be the men in Toronto, and then the other year will be the woman. Yeah. You know, and Got vice it. versa, whatever. Mm -hmm. You should have seen him rolling his eyes just now. Yeah. Like, we are we got really it. explaining this again? <laughs> <laughs> and we were there with your mother and your aunt, and we had gotten tickets to go see Federer on Center Court mm -hmm. that night. I was like, I'm going to excuse myself for a little bit because I'm going to go see Dominic Team on the grandstand. 
And nobody, let me tell you, nobody was watching Team on the right. grandstand that night. Everybody was on center court. And so I was able to go and sit in these, like, re- I was 15 feet from touching Dominic Team sitting in, like, a special chair mm-hmm. reserved for some, like, person who paid $600 for the ticket. Oh, one of those plastic lawn <laughs> Yeah, one of those plastic things? lawn chair things. You have to, I thought you had to be, like, a coach or a trainer to sit there. Nobody was stopping me. <laughs> I was like, there's nobody here. Like there I'm was, going to sit there. There was not even a chair umpire at that match. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got an up-close and personal view of everything Dominic Team had to offer mm-hmm. that night. You mean, like, his amazing backhand? His backhand is beautiful, <laughs> as are many of his hove, <laughs> as uh, as are many of his other attributes. I should see. we say? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like I've earmarked you for like five years down the road when Rafa's long gone, mm-hmm. and I need a new favorite. But all of a sudden, he's just you know picking up steam. And okay. ready to become my new boo. And I'm like, conflicted. I'm conflicted. I'm like, Rafa's still here. And yet you're trying to come for my affection. Do you really have to choose between them? I, I'm, I'm just like that. I can't really give that much of myself to Dominic team right now. <laughs> I just can't. Okay. Well, he's I, still I young. still have that reserve for Rafa. Yeah. He's what, 21? Like, he's got time. He's saucy. He's got personality. Mm-hmm. He's got... A backhand. Mm-hmm. He's winning tournaments now. I have not forgiven him for beating Rafa. That's not okay. But Dominic team is deserving of a real big big up. Yeah. And I read that he... Well, he just notched his 18th win of the season. And last year, he didn't win 18 until Roland Garros. So that was in, you know, the end of May. May, yeah. And he was ranked something like 47 at this time last year. And now he's up to, what, like 14? The last three weeks, he's made us. He's won, made a semi, and then won again. Mm-hmm. And he is up to number 14 as of Monday next week. Which is today. Right. <laughs> By the time you will have listened to this, he will be number 14. And he beat Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard? Let's talk about... The Tomic Dolgopolov semifinal. I mean, is there really a winner? Oh my god. Like, <laughs> that's like Dolgopolov playing Stakovsky. It's like, really, Speaking who, of Stikovsky, who do you root for? Stakovsky mm-hmm. has had, I was, I'm, I'm very proud of some of the, the people that follow me on Twitter that they were able to decode my shadiness mm-hmm. because I tweeted rather run of the mill and blandly. That Stakovsky has plummeted three weeks in a row by double digits in the rankings. And he's now <laughs> crashed out of the top 100. I guess that's not really very did bland. That, did this get you <laughs> blocked? Oh my god. I've been long blocked by Stakovsky. Oh, okay, okay. Long blocked. And I found out this week that I've been blocked by Fonini too. Which is like... Why? Fonini, Stakovsky, and... Capriati, the holy trinity <laughs> of tennis fuckery. I'm so pleased. Oh my god. <laughs> but Stakovsky's gonna be ranked like 114 now. It's amazing. Mm, that's too bad. Like, can you see him really winning three rounds of qualifying to get into tournaments? <laughs> like, he'll be playing 250s for the rest of his life. <laughs> that's so comforting to me. Oh my god. <laughs> 
All right. Another big up has to go to Marcos Bagdadis. Yes. And Stan Marinka. Let's start with Marcos. Like Marcos made the final in Dubai and is now back in the top 40 of the ATP. Like this is somebody who like when is way back when for his Australian Open final? Like 2006? 2006. Like a decade when we thought he was going to be somebody to really reckon with and he just went away. But he was always kind of there. And you kind know? of injured. But he's such an exciting personality. I mean, people adored him uh-huh. when he made that Australian Open final. And then he made the Wimbledon semi that same year. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't a fluke. No, it seemed like he was a legit player to stick he around really for He really has while. game, you know. And he wasn't. Looking back over the last decade, he wasn't. No. And, you know, he has dealt with injuries. He's dealt with sort of not being in the best shape all the time. He was playing challengers in 2014 Mm -hmm. to get his ranking back up. And then in what? Around July, he finally re-entered the top 50. And he's been there like fairly steadily ever Mm -hmm. since. And, you know, this final will help him stay there for a while. And he said in 2016 that he's really committed to making a real go at it of becoming... You know, back to where he was. Oh, he says in the next five years, he wants to come back to the top ten. In like the next five, five years, years. Like, this, he's like Maggie Smith. He doesn't know how old he is. Let me tell you, Kimiko Datikram has revolutionized <laughs> the way we right? view tennis careers now. But, I mean, Roger Federer is playing like this at 34. Mm-hmm. Venus and Serena are playing like this in their mid-30s. Like, tennis is different now. It is Marcus Bagdadis could play the, his best tennis at 30. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. And I feel like that gives some hope to Del Potro, too. Yes. You know, he spent, he sort of saved a lot of energy for a long time. You know, there are years that aren't on his legs because he was injured. Yeah, but the wrists don't lie. Right. And that's a real big concern. Mm-hmm. Because historically speaking, wrist injuries for any athlete are really bothersome. Yeah, especially when you've had that many surgeries on them. I I really wish him the best. But, you know, Baghdadis doesn't have the greatest record in finals. He's four and nine in finals. And Stanley is quite the opposite lately. He's won like what, nine in a row? He has a nine match win streak in finals, which at the beginning of his career, you would never have guessed because he was considered sort of. Uh, very streaky. At right? the f- like, do you mean during the first two thirds of his career? <laughs> well, right. You know, he always had sort of a big game, but wasn't really able to put it together a lot of the time. And now it's strange, but consistency, at least in finals, mm-hmm. when he gets to the final, is sort of his bread and butter. Look, Stan is a big time player. Mm-hmm. And. This knock on him as being inconsistent at this point in his career, it's inexplicable because we've seen what he can do. Right. So Stan at his best is akin to everybody at their best on the on the ATP tour. Except except well, for maybe Djokovic's best is better than anybody's, you know. Well, yes. I understand that. Mm. But we've seen what Stan can do. When he's zoning. The point is like if he's not Djokovic, Federer, Nadal at their best. He's a cut below at his best. Yeah. It's a matter of finding it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I 
it's like, in a sense, this is, don't hate me for making this comparison, but for a long time, Serena didn't perform well outside of the majors. Okay. And now Stan is starting to, you know, add a few more titles. He's up to 13 titles now. Mm-hmm. And he has two slams. Perhaps in the next two years before he, you know, winds down, he's able to add like seven to ten more. Slams? No, no, no. Like, <laughs> okay. Regular tour titles. I mean, that is a tall order. Because how many times have we seen Stan lose inexplicably in the second or third round of some budget tournament? Yeah, that's the <laughs> you know? thing. It's like when he gets to a final, yeah. he's reliable. Like Stan winning Dubai is not shocking. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Especially since Djokovic retired, Federer didn't go this year. And we're going to be you know. getting to Djokovic's retirement. Yeah. And or see what ha- happened was. <laughs> we're just all about the segment titles this week. <laughs> but uh, this this final was really exciting. And it featured some really awesome shot making. Baghdadis played a little serve and volley to varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. You know, because... When you're serving volleying against Stan, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure <laughs> because his backhand really can find a lot of spots. Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Fritz entered the top 100 this week. Is there anything else you want to say about that? <laughs> Who? We're giving him a big up. Okay. For an extended yep. period of good play. To be honest, I'm just haven't really been paying attention to Taylor Fritz. I know you haven't, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is a tennis podcast, and we have to speak about people who are doing well. Okay. And Taylor Fritz is doing well, so he gets a big up. Maybe mm-hmm. by the end of 2016, you'll have watched a Taylor Fritz match. Perhaps. Oh, <laughs> can we also say that Stanley beat Sergei Stakovsky and Kyrgios in the same tournament? That is pretty so awesome. So he's really like doing the good work. Hmm. Another one has to go to Carlos Suarez Navarro. Yes. Because, damn, if it didn't look like she was going to lose that match. <laughs> that, but also that be- very winnable final. <laughs> Against Ostapenko? Yes. But don't forget her blitzing of Radwanska in the semifinal. What was that about? What the hell was that? I- <laughs> like, just when you think Radwanska is, okay, mm-hmm. top four. Like, she's on a roll. Love in Asia. doing her thing you know the shadow of martina navratilova is long in the rearview mirror right right. and she's here and then you go and get blitzed by carlos suarez navarro no tino shade to carlo i realize that this Mm. is also i guess two years in a row now her time of a year because last year she was top 10 and easily in the race to singapore top eight and then after Wimbledon, it kind of just like... Yeah, like the wheels came off. Girl, it was a shit show. Mm-hmm. I think Radwanska likes East Asia. Like, oh, yeah? Like You're the, making these dis- distinctions? The Gulf, the Gulf states are a little too, like, they're not quite Asian enough, you know? But earlier in the week, I was really rude, so nasty and so rude. Do you remember where that's from? Nini Leaks. Oh, no, I did not remember that. <laughs> you know, I've soured so much on Nini Leaks. Every time I see a gif that three years ago, I'd have just, oh, that mm-hmm. is so good. And just like, Nini. Right. Um, but I was like, oh, Carlos Suarez is number six in the world. 
what the hell is going on with yeah, this I top think 10? that was in direct you know? response to my tweet. <laughs> mm, I don't remember your tweet. You know, I don't read like all of your tweets. No, okay? I, I understand all, like, that. like 25,000 of them. You are so <laughs> nasty. I'm telling you that my memory is on point right now. I tweeted that regardless of the result, Carl is going to be mm. number six next week. And you're like, WTF, Matt. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I said, wow, you know, this top 10 needs to get their shit together. <laughs> but, but I will, I'm not going to take it back, but I have to give credit where it's due. Yeah, because she this was, is not the first time she's doing this. This is the second year in a row she's having a pretty right. decent first half to the year. And so she had a great win against Radwanska. And then in the final, it looked like she was throwing in a real clunker. You know, when she had, basically, she had ascended to her best ranking ever. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to throw in this really crappy match against Ostapenko. Which is what she does from time to time. Right, right? well, like, yeah. We've seen... Well, we've seen her get totally destroyed. Breadsticked and bageled yeah. for days. And not even always by the top players. No. You know, I mean, Serena has utterly destroyed her at the U.S. Open. But it's not always only Serena. So, anyway, you know, it looked like she was really just not in that match. She was behind for most of it. And she was also behind in the third set when she had fought back. But... You know, she managed to get through it, and she was really excited about it. By and large, February has just been full of really weird results, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not even really mad about it. I'm mad that Rafa's lost and not won these clay court titles that he should have won. Mm -hmm. Really mad about that. But as far as everybody else who has won, Dominic team, happy. Uh, Cuevas, I ain't mad at you. Suarez... Have at it. <laughs> you know, I'm I like this kind of nuance that's being thrown into tennis right now. And it's not just on the women's tour. Mm-hmm. You know, people like to frame it like the women's tour and WTA is a mess and they can't get their shit together. And it's just, you know, the men are so dependable. It's so dependable to be a man on the <laughs> ATP tour. No, but it's kind of nice that some of the top players have have not been playing because you get to see, well, team, obviously, but, you know, Del Potro reach a quarterfinal, right? And let's not uh, forget... Query reach a semi. You know, these players that you don't hear of as much. It's now almost March. The closer team gets to the top 10, the more chance we have see- to see him in the ESPN body issue. <laughs> like that's what I'm really looking forward to this year, okay? Oh my god. Because he's we know too young. Burdick, he's twenty one now. No, like, he come needs on. to get like more meat on him first. He's in really good shape. He's lost all the baby fat. Like he's he's in good trust me, okay? Okay. Like we've had Burdick already, we've had Is <sighs> Isner Ugh. in the body issue. We've had Ravrinka last year. Who thought that was like, a good shy idea? of Isner. having Rafa? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. You but know, we've, like, seen, we can dream. we've seen Rafa. Oh, but not like in the way that the body issue could show us no, Rafa. You don't want to no. see that? No, the body issue is not sexy. You don't know like it's something not nice not, could happen. No. Did you see Fernando Verdasco's Instagram the other day? Yes. Like I that's did. all I need in my life. No. I don't need body issue. I'm not about I don't Fernando. need like 
I don't need like these artistic nudes. Like they're like, so lame. Uh, you play so much tennis and still you spend so much time in the tanning bed. Like, <laughs> come on, Fernando. Like, I know what you're about. No, he's Spanish. He's just like, yeah, spends whatever. a lot of time in the like, sun. Fernando tries too hard to let us know that he's hot. Like Fernando 10 years ago was hot. I'm not about it right now. What? I'm not into it anymore. Oh my no. God. No. You're, you're so full of shit. Fine think i'm full of fernando okay i love that fernando's instagram is such a thirst trap that's right? all it is <laughs> hashtag thirst trap <laughs> we need you to advertise this episode and the body serve hashtag thirst trap <laughs> where were we we were about to move into our final segment of the episode which is our tried and true See what ha- happened was, <laughs> I almost sprained my neck trying to get uh-huh. that out. And praise Novak Djokovic for giving us this opportunity <laughs> to be oh the shady motherfuckers we were born to be. I really hope his eye is okay though, because I'll feel really bad if it's not. I think, mean, do these trainers not have visine? Like, is it pink eye? I don't know. Like, how infected is this eye, and what is he getting in his eye? What what was he doing to have this eye infection? I, I don't know. Hmm. So, if you haven't heard... Or haven't seen... Or seen, please see it. Because Novak can't see real good right now. Oh my god. Novak had to pull out of his match against Feliciano Lopez. So he lost the first set 6-3, and then went over to Feliciano, and he retired and shook hands mm-hmm. and everything. And then? And then retired. And, you know, he apologized. Well, apologized afterward. Mm-hmm. Pretty extensively. But why was this a big deal? Him, him. This is the first time he'd lost in how long? A long time. He's won like 72,000 <laughs> finals in yeah. a row. And this does count as a loss, right? Yeah, I, th- I, I see. And so, so Feliciano yeah. does get a win over mm-hmm. Novak. Because he did move to the next round. Right. And, you know, as Novak was leaving the court, there were some boos. I don't think it was universal. And or whistles. Yeah. It was more whistling than booing. Well, kind of like worse in tennis. It's like... Whistling is how the the moneyed class show their... their... Oh, really? Is that so? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you really enjoyed that, didn't you? The moneyed class. Well, for some reason in tennis, you know, whistling has become the way to show your disapproval. Where in other sports, it's actually quite the opposite i mean wrapped up in all of this is this whole business of novak being loved right Mm. you've won 17 tournaments in a row right (laughs) 17 or 17 finals some ungodly number ridiculous Mm. and like you have a bad day you're entitled to a bad day Mm -hmm. and you retire why not Lose 636-love. Or 6362. That's my question. Oh, so... Like, take a few swings and misses. A few swings and shanks. Like, Mm. I'm a bit skeptical of this retiring business. That's my thing. Oh, I am on a very different page. Are you? you. Yeah, because... Maybe we should have talked about this before we came to air. No, this is, (laughs) you know, what should go on air. The discussion. Okay. No, I mean, this is not a Grand Slam final. Okay. This is Dubai. This is a 
another tournament in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Why should he have to finish his match? Okay, but you like, know? did the? It's not like you you strained a thigh muscle mid match. You, but like you don't your know. eye, no, but your eye was. I can't imagine the eye deteriorated that much after the first mm-hmm. set, to the point where like, okay, I can't continue. Like the eye was not great to start. Clearly, right, right. right. So like, withdraw from the match to begin with. Like you clearly started the match thinking, okay, let me see what happens. And it's like, damn, like 6-3, like this ain't gonna get no better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe... Like, I, I, I really have a problem with these non-physically threatening injuries. Like, I do think, I maybe mean, this is the Puritan in me. Like, there's something mm-hmm. to be said for just finishing the damn match. Like, it's not something that I hold against you necessarily. Like, it's mm. not the end of the world. But I question why after winning all this time... That you wouldn't just like, okay, the retirement, like... Yeah, but why not? Like, is your... I, no, but is your eye getting any worse? Maybe. Is your eye getting worse from continuing to play this match? Is your hamstring going to be torn further from finishing this match? Okay. But, like, is the pink eye getting more pink? <laughs> <laughs> it, it could have been very painful. You don't know. Okay. I can like, see that. Like, okay, maybe he should have given a walkover. Or maybe you could have called for those sunglasses that he wore in the post-match <laughs> to play the second set. Oh my god. I'm gonna we should leave a clip of that YouTube video, <laughs> like a link on the podcast, because it's so funny. I laughed so hard when I saw those sunglasses. But okay. Maybe he should have withdrawn before the match, but I feel like he reserves the right to go out there and try to play. Mm-hmm. And if he can't play, retire. It's fine. Like it's different because Novak had to live down that reputation that he had for years. You know, so when people see Novak retire, everybody is thinking about what he used to do. No, see, I wasn't yeah. even thinking okay. about that. That wasn't even that. But I think a lot of people are. Perhaps, and that's actually quite deserved because Novak's retirement record in the first part of his career and the stuff that used to go on was, oh, you know, yeah. quite Like the quite histrionics. Iffy. Yes. He was fragile. Mm-hmm. And now he's become... He's more... He's just like a... He's become the opposite. He's like a fragile warrior who will still win. <laughs> he's still... He still has a histrionics. Yes, but less so. I think the last time that I... Well, last time I can remember it was really bad was in the 2015 Australian Open final against Andy. Okay. Anyway, I... And tending to be a lot more charitable toward Novak in this situation. Mm-hmm. And when people were booing him, I was like, you know, just come on, just chill out. Everybody chill out. However, his reaction took me right back to like 2007, right? 2008 Novak. We've said that... this all the time. He just can't help himself. No. When it comes down to it, Novak always goes back to that base nastiness whenever he needs to. Because, see, I think that since he's been the dominant player, he's been, like, covering that up. I think his real essence is, like, that douchebag. <laughs> it, you know? Because but can, when... But no, can but you when ever imagine Federer or Rafa in that situation gesturing like that to the crowd? Right. And it's not an unfair comparison to make anymore because Novak is that good. Mm-hmm. His record is challenging... Roger and Rafa, right? Right. So, like, the more he wins and the more he's that great, it's the more we should expect for him to not become, like, some kind of, like, chav motherfucker, like, when he's leaving the court. It's... Why do you have to be like that? 
it's just not you know which like there, there just always seems to be like some kind of falseness brimming under the surface with novak mm. but at the same time i will say this like he is within his rights given all that he's done and all he's won to feel hard done by the crowd like how many times people retire like lesser people and it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. you know like you feel yeah. that finally like one time out of like the last eight years since you've corrected your histrionics and you've rectified well, yourself let's not be so so generous more like okay. five years okay fine <laughs> but like you've done he, it must have been so hard for novak mm-hmm. to to get to this point and like he finally needed to retire and he did right Right. and then the crowd is giving it to him like i'd feel mad too like why are you not paying attention to what i've done Mm. these last few years like do you know who i am you know it's like what have you done for me lately you know have you done for (laughs) me lately i enjoyed it i ain't gonna lie Mm -hmm. like i've lived through way too many Novak wins and his dominance right now is so oppressive that if I can find some enjoyment from this little what ha- happened was, I'ma take it. What's his next tournament? Indian Wells? Yeah. And Roger Federer's next tournament is post Miami, right? Monte Carlo, I think. Yeah. Okay. It was cool to see him on the practice court so fast. I I don't understand how he's already ready to practice. And well now he's at the Oscars. Right. I don't... Why was he there? I don't know. <laughs> maybe he intended to play Indian Wells and so he was in that side of the world rehabbing. Oh, oh. Maybe that's where his doctor is. Perhaps. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And why not? Like, if you're Roger yeah. Federer and you can go to the Oscars, why not? If you're not having to, to practice and train and go, you know, go play tennis matches. Mm-hmm. Like, Serena's at these all these galas. Was was galas. The, the, the year, the one that she goes to almost every year. The Met Ball? The Met Ball. Yeah. yeah. She's at the Met Ball. With Solange and Beyonce. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, hit us up on Twitter. At On Twitter, we are at The Body Serve. I'm Jonathan at SportsCribeCA. And I'm James at Elliot JMR. We're probably going to take a little break until the next episode. Next week, it's Davis Cup on the men's side. And then there are a couple of minor tournaments on the WTA. So we'll probably get back to you after Indian Wells. This might be a nice chance for us to get a little bit of a breather. Mm -hmm. As always, though, look out for This Week in Tennis. We're up to week number eight. There have been seven editions of This Week in Tennis. Week (laughs) number eight is coming out tomorrow as well, coinciding with this podcast. Give us a review on iTunes. If you enjoy the show, let us know. Let the world know. (laughs) Let our profile rise. (laughs) on iTunes and till next time.